from St. Luke's Gospel, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Hello, everybody. Merry Christmas. My name is Father Chris Rodriguez. I'm the rector of this parish. Uh, welcome to all of you who are visiting us from up north where I saw on TV it's snowy and cold and all those bad things. Uh, I was sitting in the back room getting ready, getting our vestments on, and the choir is singing, and the organ's playing, and the orchestra's going, making great noise to the Lord. And I thought to myself, you know, if we were actually doing this on the first, on the actual day of Jesus' birth, I can see Mary walking out and going, would you all just quiet down? You're going to wake up the baby, right? I don't know. Maybe not. But, you know, here we are today to do something we've probably done before. Many of you have been to church before. If not, this is your first time. Welcome. Uh, but we are here to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. We say is the Son of God, which is true. But it's interesting in Greek, if you don't know this, New Testament's written in Greek, the Son of God sounds kind of wooden, right? Like it's the son of Tim, right? You would say it's Tim's son. You would say it's God's son. That word is, the Greek is possessive in, in the language. So we're here to really think about the birth of God's, not the son of God, but God's son, God's boy, Jesus Christ, who comes to earth, born in a barn. That's lots of good humor in that. And his name, of course, is the name Jesus, which if you don't know, means God saves. So God's boy, God's son, God's kid. Any of you have children? You know how that feels. You love your children, right? They're part of who you are. God sends his son, God's son, to earth. And here's a question I want to think about tonight with y'all in this little intimate gathering of friends. <laughs> uh, I've never thought about this before until this year. I want to think about a question, and that's this in one word. Why? Why? It's a big question. Why did God become a man in the first place? Why did God send his boy? Why? I read a book a couple of years ago by a guy named uh, Simon Sinek. Anybody know him? know him? He's a management guru guy. And uh, he wrote a book called Start With Why. It's not a very good book, actually, but the title's catchy, right? And the book, Start With Why, is like many other popular business books, you know, a little bit of knowledge with a smattering of, you know, uh, stories and anecdotes and that sort of thing. But the gist of the book is actually a really good one, and one idea, it's this, that most organizations, most companies, most people don't tell you why they do. They tell you what they do, 5G wireless, the fastest in the nation, right? They tell you how they do it. We use cheap labor in China to build inexpensive cell phones. But they don't tell you why they do it. They don't tell you why they do what they do. And I'm kind of feeling this this year with Christmas. Why? Why did God send his son? We know the what, born in a manger. We know the how, a virgin birth, which I'll get to in a second. Let's do a deep dive on this this morning. Let's start with why. Two things we're going to look at. I like to preach in points, if you don't know that already. Why did God send his son? Start with why. And what was his mission? So let's start, let's start with why. Let's uh, paint a picture here briefly for a moment. 
Imagine you are, in fact, a first-century Jewish shepherd. You are outside in the fields taking care of the sheep at night. And incidentally, if you don't know this, they're not actually your sheep. (laughs) They're somebody else's sheep. You're a hired hand. Heck, if you had the money, you'd buy your own sheep. And you'd be back in bed in Bethlehem, snug as a bug in the proverbial rug, with visions of sugar plums dancing in your heads like anybody else in their right mind. No sane person is out in the field tending sheep unless they have to. If you had enough money, you've got your own sheep and you hire someone else to do it. Why? Well, it's cold, it's lonely, and sheep smell worse than a Penn State frat house. Amen? So here you are, right? And then you see something in the sky. You're not really sure what it is. Turns out it's an angel, which scares you, which would scare anybody. The first things angels always say is, don't be afraid. Why? Because they're afraid. And the angel says something I never noticed before. The angel actually starts with why. Here it is. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. Let me stop there and ask you a question. If you were to go to, if you were to ask a hundred people, why did Jesus come to earth? What do you think they'd say? If you were to go to the, you know, sandwich counter at Publix and say to the, the guy that was making your subway, hey, why do you think Jesus came to earth? What do you think they would say? What do you think? For lots of people, Jesus is this sort of cosmic social justice warrior that embodies whatever cause you might actually particularly be fond of. Jesus, the Jesus of climate change, the Jesus of democracy, or the Jesus who just loves with no strings attached, like a great big, you know, who knows what. This Jesus that most people have in their mind, he'd never, I don't know, flip tables over at a church or break stuff or take a cord and whip it around, chasing people out of the temple. This Jesus would never say things like, Y'all are a bunch of whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. He'd never say that. No, man. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild. He'd never do that stuff. Except he did. (laughs) So back to the question, why? It's a biggie. The angel tells us why Jesus came to earth. The angel says why. This new baby, he's a savior. For behold, is born to you this day a Savior. Jesus is a Savior. He's a fixer. He may not look like it yet. He's a little baby in a manger, right? The boy grew up. They always do. And the bambino becomes the Lion of Judah. And the angels even give us a little more. It's actually a progressive of thought. He, here is the Savior who is Christ the Lord. It's three really important words. Uh, the Greek word Savior is poner. Who is Christ? Christos and Kyrios, Lord. It means king and controller of all things. That the Lord is the one. He is a king. He is a savior, a king, and the one who has power and authority over all things. Which means, listen, that he controls all things. The astounding claim that night of the angels is that this Jewish boy born in a barn is the savior of the world. He is the savior. He is the fixer. He is the one who solves all the problems. He is the one to, he came to earth, why? To save you. To save me. 
Let's think about that for a moment, this idea of being saved. What does that even mean? What do you need to be saved from? What do you need to be saved from? Long sermons? You're in the wrong place. (laughs) I'm just kidding. What do you need to be saved from? You know, most people think of saving of our sins as Jesus dying on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins upon himself. That is true. That's a big part of Christ saving us from our sins. But there's more to it than that. There's always more to it. The whole idea that of Scripture tells us of this idea of being bondage to sin, of, of having, being, being controlled by, stuck with, shackled by sin, not just our own mistakes, the things we've done wrong, the things we haven't done we should have, that sort of stuff, and it's not just the things people have done to us. It is those things, but it's more. It's the wrong turn of individuals, as a nation, as a culture, as a species, all of it, the whole shooting match, all of it Christ saves us from. The self-doubt, the worry, the insecurities that you feel and you cover up by achievement or stacking yourself against your peers. He saves you from that. He saves you from the fears that you have. He saves you from whatever kept you up last night. See, Jesus saves you from all of it. He saves you from hell. He saves you from death itself. He rises from the dead. He saves us from worry and fear because he provides what we need. He tells us this. He provides what we need when we need it. Not always what we want when we want it, by the way. Why is that? Because a Savior, a Savior saves. And Jesus is the ultimate cosmic fixer. So back to the question, what part of your life needs fixing? What part of your life needs a savior? This is impossible to cover in one sermon, which is why you come to church every week, by the way, because what you learn in a Christian community, hear the word preached, you see people that are brothers and sisters in Christ being saved by Jesus just like you are, being encouraged, being transformed, being changed. Here at Trinity Episcopal Church, the fastest-growing church in the Diocese of Central Florida, man, it's boots on the ground. It's where we see our Savior's work in action in our own lives and in the lives of the people of this parish, where Jesus moves from theory to practice in our own lives and in the lives of those around us. The struggles, the joys, in all of it, we learn that Jesus saves But the question stands. I'm not going to let you off the hook tonight. Where in your life do you need a Savior? Probably lots of places if you're like me. But where do you need specifically something in your life, a a, a person who can fix the brokenness in your life, which you cannot fix on your own, which, by the way, is most of it? Because that is why. That's the why. Why Jesus came to earth. He came as a Savior. He came to save you. That's the start with why. And then the second point of it is then, well, if that's true, and it is, well, then what's his mission? You know, there's a critically important detail of the story that we've said it a million times. We say it every Sunday in the Nicene Creed. It's biblical. It's a central part of the story of Christmas. And we, for some reason, kind of skip over it. I don't know why that is. I'll show you. We read that Jesus was born. His mission, his mission, he comes to be a savior, And his mission 
his operational objective is that he's born of the verge of virgin named Miriam, Mary. What does that mean? Well, it means that Jesus has no human father, which sounds like, to a lot of people like a magic trick, right? Some sort of like primitive make-believe kind of sprinkled on the story to make it sound plausible to primitive people, right? For dramatic effect. But the virgin birth is not an afterthought. A virgin, the virgin birth is the central part of who Jesus is. Why is that? Well, because original sin, all the brokenness that you and I carry, all the brokenness of our culture, the source of all of the suffering and failing in your life and in mine, biblically speaking, is passed down from parent to child in the act of human conception, which I hope you know what that is, by the way. <laughs> the psalmist says, says this, Psalm 51, verse 5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Or, to quote Lady Gaga, you were born that way, and so was I. We are all born. Here's the, this all hangs together when you, under, when you see the pieces of the puzzle. We are all born, friends, with a fallen human nature. We have fallen and we can't get up, to quote the old commercial. And so for Jesus to be a savior, he must be born in a way without that original sin. He must be born and conceived in a manner in which this original sin would not be passed down to himself. He needs, a, he needs to be conceived without a human father, you see. We need a savior who is free from original sin. After all, what good is a savior if he can't save himself? See, the virgin birth, the virgin birth of Jesus, that he was conceived without a human father, is the mission. Why? Well, because it makes Jesus Christ the new Adam. You know who Adam is, right? Adam and Eve, the Old Testament. Jesus Christ is the new Adam. It is a, the story of Jesus is a classic do-over. Where Adam failed and was cast out of Eden, the new Adam, Jesus, will himself fight with the devil and with the forces of evil, but he prevails where Adam failed. Paul makes this very point, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, for as in Adam all die, that's us, so in Christ all shall be made alive. See, friends, here's the thing. Jesus' mission is to restore a fallen creation to God, to reconnect us fallen humans with our Father in heaven. This is the victory that the angels proclaim when they sing that song that would have woken up the baby Jesus. This is the, this is the song the angels sing, and we're going to sing it at the very end of the Mass today. Hark the herald angels, angels sing. You know it. Glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Because see, the boy, he grew up. Then and now, Jesus saves. That is why he came. Then and now, Jesus changes lives for good. Because friends, this is no ordinary boy. He is our Savior. He is our King. On him rests the very fate of all humanity, including the person in your seat. You know, I was driving around on the beach the other day with my daughter Amy down Ocean, Bull Ocean Drive. It's pretty cool. It's a nice day. Getting kind of dark out, people wandering around, um, you know, early evening. 
And all the Christmas decorations are out and all the, you know, I love, who doesn't love Christmas, right? And we're, Amy and I are driving along, just kind of watching people going around, looking at the decorations, kind of enjoy, you know, taking it all in. I love this season of Christmas like I know you do too, but if Jesus is your Savior, then see, here's the cool thing. Merry Christmas isn't a season, it's a way of life. Merry Christmas isn't a one and done. It's the way you live your life every day. A life of joy, a life of peace, a life of confidence. That no matter what this world throws at you, it's going to be all right. You know why? Because Jesus saves. Will you receive him? That is the question we have tonight. If Jesus is your Savior, he offers us today that gift. Will we receive him and be saved? Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your Son who came to earth to save us. Lord, tonight we cast all of our brokenness, our sins, our worries, our fears, our insecurities on our Savior, Jesus Christ, that he might set us free to live lives of joy and victory. And it is in his holy name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.